Take your Bibles, turn with me please to the book of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter number 4, verse number 17. Pick back up where we left off this morning. Get plugged into the ministry. We've looked at the membership. We've looked at the meeting, getting plugged into the message, getting plugged into the ministry today. Amen. We might have a couple more for us over with. We're going to get plugged into all kind of stuff. Amen. Are you there? Colossians chapter 4. Would you stand with me, please? We'll read one verse. Appreciate the good singing tonight. Appreciate the uh, last trio. That was Sister Christina Suttle, Brother Scott Suttle's daughter, of Biston family. Amen. Put her to work. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Lord, help us tonight as we pick back up with the thought that we started this morning on getting plugged into the ministry. Lord, I pray that you would. Use this opportunity, Lord, to stir within our hearts a desire to be used of you and make a difference before Jesus comes back. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I won't repeat everything I said this morning. Just touch on the uh, couple points so we can bring you up to speed for those of you that may not have been here this morning. But uh, we talked about how the, the word ministry in our text in verse number 17 is a word that's used often throughout the scripture. In fact, it manifests itself in a variety of ways. Ministry, uh, ministers, uh, ministering, some of the uses of the word. Uh, you'll see the word serve. You'll see the word labor. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that those words are used, synonymous uh, with the basic concept that when Jesus saved you, he saved me, his intention was to, while he worked on us, Use us to make a difference in somebody else's life. There's no other way that you can be more like Christ than when you're serving, when you're ministering. Jesus at the table there in the upper room, the Bible says he took a towel, and he girded himself and he washed the disciples' feet, demonstrated servant leadership. He demonstrated humility. He demonstrated lowering himself, humbling himself to serve and minister to others. And he told the disciples, he said, as you've seen me do, I want you to do this. He said, when I came in tonight, nobody washed my feet. That was an uncomfortable staff meeting. That was an uncomfortable staff meeting when Jesus said, I've been with you for three and a half years and some of y'all still haven't figured out that it's all about others. You don't have to run to the front of the line. You don't have to grab the biggest chicken leg in the, in the bucket. Amen. There's a story about the little boys, two little boys sitting at the table, and there was one cookie left, and they were fighting over it. And, and the mama looked at the little boys, and she said, why don't y'all be like Jesus? And one brother looked at his other brother and said, you be Jesus. <laughs> I think we got a lot of Christians that have that, why don't you be Jesus? I'm going to see, my, see about myself and serve myself and, and make sure I'm seen about when other people have needs. And so the, 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 the Christian life really is about serving the Lord and by serving others we serve the Lord. 
A lot of people say, I don't, I don't know how to serve the Lord. You're serving the Lord when you serve somebody else. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, he said when, did, when, did you, when, did we, when did we clothe you? When did we feed you? When did we give you water? And he said, you, you clothed me when you clothed somebody else. Gave, I'm paraphrasing. You gave me water when you gave water to somebody else. You, when you visited somebody else in prison, you visited me in prison. You serve God when you serve others. And ministry, really, that boils down to just meeting a need. Putting yourself last and, and, and meeting a need. And we looked at the first mentioned principle as in Numbers chapter number 4, but all throughout the Old Testament, the Levites demonstrated ministry, ministering. And they did so many things that demonstrate what it meant, even in the Old Testament economy. And I, I thought about Bezalel. I don't want to get distracted, but I was thinking about when they were, when they were raising that money for that tabernacle. And Moses went before the people and said, God wants us to have a tabernacle. And God wants us to have a place where he can dwell with us. Need you to bring an offering. Need everybody that has a, a gift and a talent and an ability. I need, I need your help. If you go back and you study, there was a man by the name of Bezalel who was a skilled craftsman with gold and silver and bronze. He, 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 he fashioned and, and made that furniture in that tabernacle, that Ark of the Covenant, and that, that, uh, that, that altar of incense, and the candlesticks, and all these things, all those pieces of furniture, he took that gold that those people donated, that they gave, all that, all that precious metal, he took it, and he, and he beat it, and he fashioned it, and he made that furniture. And the Bible talks about those that gave, and those that served, and those that contributed were those whose heart stirred them up. That's what it said. Bible says whose spirit was made willing. I was talking to Brother Adrian this morning early. I brought him into my library and I, I said, sit down just a second. I said, I want to ask you a question. I'm, I'm running a rabbit now. That's fine. We'll make rabbit stew out of him if we catch him. Amen. Why, 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 did, why did God say, I want them to build a tabernacle that I may dwell with them? Is that not what he said? That's what he said. I can show you the verse if you want me to. Let's build a tabernacle that I may, that I may dwell among them. Right. So he had all these poor people that had nothing give all the most valuable that they had. And he had these people that were living in tents and walking around in a circle in the wilderness make all this nice gold fancy furniture. They had to be carried around from place to place only to get over to the David and Solomon economy and say, I, I, I don't dwell in tabernacles made with hands. Well, what was all that Old Testament tabernacle about? See, I think sometimes we miss that the point, we miss the point. The point is God wants us to give and serve and labor and minister worse than he needs to be served. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it came out right. We look at so many, so many things backwards. Yes, God has chosen to use us. God has chosen for us to be instruments and vessels that he can use. There's no question about that. But I think sometimes we forget that it helps us 
We miss many times the point of serving. It's not just about helping the people that have a need. God's wanting to bless us. We miss out on the blessings. I'm getting way ahead of myself. But I thought about that. That just hit me this morning. God literally said, build a tabernacle that I may dwell among them. And then he told David and Solomon, I don't dwell in tabernacles made with hands. I want you to build me a temple, but that's not the whole thing. And I think sometimes we get tunnel vision when it comes to ministry. We get so small-minded. We only think about that little inconvenient aspect or the part that, that we don't want to think about or do, not realizing that there's a much bigger picture here. Anyway, that was free. That wasn't a recap of this morning. That was just what I was thinking about. Many times I've gone to be a blessing to somebody and found out that they were a much bigger blessing than me. Many times I have volunteered for a job or a task to be a blessing, not realizing that at the end of the day, I got a bigger blessing. Which, by the way, it reminds me of that verse, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. Remember that verse? That 40 words in that verse. The first word is give. The other 39 words is what's going to happen to you when you give. <laughs> Think about that a minute. Give, comma, get ready. Here we go. And it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Now, why would you not want to get in on God's one 39th rule? I just don't have time. Man, if you had any idea what would, what would happen, you'd make time. You'd make time. And you don't know till you do it. God don't let you know in advance. God don't say, if you do this, I'm going to do this. He just says, do it and watch. And we're so materialistic. We're so money-driven money that we try to put a dollar value on everything. There's some things you can't put a dollar value on. Well, what's in it for me if I give up all of my time to go up there and work at the church? I don't know. Your kids might turn out for God. Who knows? Your kids might end up being servants and, and ministers. Who knows? I don't know. It could one day save your marriage because you're at the church working together with your husband and wife. Maybe it didn't give the devil an opportunity to drive a wedge between you and your wife and something bad happened. I don't know. I'm just throwing this out there. There's no way you and I can ever put a dollar value on the blessings that comes from serving and ministering in the work of God. I just tell you, it works. It works. And I think one reason why a lot of young people get, get a bad attitude towards church is because mom and daddy either have a bad attitude or what little bit they do, they grumble and gripe and murmur about it. I'll never forget, I may not even get to my outline, who cares? I'll never forget, somebody asked my wife's daddy, Brother Young, how is it you raised five kids, all of them in the ministry? Two boys, three girls, both boys are pastors, all three girls are pastor's wives. That's a pretty good track record. That's, that's pretty, I mean, all of them. How'd you, how'd you raise kids that are all in the ministry? He said, I don't know, but me and mom always just enjoyed being in the ministry. We always loved it. 
Even when they was fussing and fighting at the church and they went through splits and he had to go paint houses to, su to, to support missionaries because the church couldn't afford to support the missionaries. He'd go get construction projects and the kids didn't even know it. Stay with me now. The kids didn't even know it. We were just in South Georgia a couple weeks ago and Grace said, see that house right there? See that house right there? I painted that house with my daddy when I was 15. And daddy paid all of us kids $10 an hour and took all the rest of the money that he got for painting that house and gave every dime of it to keep the missions program going. They didn't even know it. That's mamas and daddies that were involved in the ministry and had joy serving Jesus and didn't complain and bellyache about it. I'm talking about I'm talking about a daddy that would go do a side job, give all the money to missions, and they didn't even have air conditioning at their house till she was 16 years old. She told that today at the lunch table. They'd go to church an hour and a half early and just sit there and enjoy the cool air. Kids sleeping in 90 degree beds and not bitter at God or the church. Explain that to me. That's a mom and daddy that makes serving God fun that made the ministry fun, that didn't produce a crop of kids that couldn't wait for the day they could hit the door and never have to go back to church again. It's amazing. Joy in serving Jesus. Can you put a dollar amount on it? No. It's way more valuable than that. We always try to put a dollar amount. That was Judas's problem. He traded the only begotten Son of God for what he could put in one hand. 30 pieces of silver, what an idiot, what a fool. What a fool. And the devil has, pray, has, 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 has capitalized on man's greed and materialism and deprived them of things. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the, the stories in the Bible of people that served God had no clue, no idea how it was going to turn out. God said, I got a job for you to do, and they just did it. We get to read the end of the story. We know how it turns out. We read the back of the book, and we know how it turns out. They didn't know how it was going to turn out. And yet, when we get over to the New Testament, we find out that there's a ministry that's given to each and every one of us. God has something for you to do. I can't drive that point home enough this, this evening. I'm not talking to the person behind you. I'm not talking to the person beside you. I'm talking to you. God's got a job he wants you to do. Amen. You to do. And until you figure that out, you're depriving and robbing yourself. Right. Amen. We looked this morning at it's a sovereign matter or sovereign issue in our text he said, I beseech thee, or take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. God handpicked Archippus. We don't even know what it was. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we get too busy trying to figure out the irrelevant information. What was Archippus's ministry? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That is completely irrelevant. God handpicked Archippus for a job for a ministry, and God gave it to him. It was a sovereign matter. Not only that, but we see that it was a stewardship issue, which thou hast received. God gave it to you. Receive it. Don't run from it. Don't, don't throw it back at him. 
No, I don't want this. I don't want to do this. How much time does God waste having to convince us to take the job, the ministry, the service position that he's trying to give us? How much time does he spend having to convince us? It is a supply issue, number three. Take heed that thou fulfill it. That word fulfill means to furnish or to supply liberally. Literally, it literally means to fill a void. And we talked about how that the bottom line for ministry is meeting a need, just supplying a need. That's the bottom line. And it comes in every, every way, shape, and form. There are so many ways that you can minister to people that you can't even make a list of them. And God will give you very specific ways to minister. Some would be considered great, some would be considered small. But if you're doing what God told you to do and God, God gave you to do, there is no big eyes and little U's. Amen. So let's get into the message tonight. Three things I want to show you in the part two of this message. If you're taking notes, write this down. Getting plugged in will provoke an obligation. Once you submit your heart and mind to the fact that God wants to use you and you get plugged into the ministry, with that will come an obligation. You'll understand that it is the least that I can do for God. God give us a group of Christians that are so thankful for what he's done for us that in turn we say, Lord, now what can I do for you? I think it was John F. Kennedy made the statement, the, the quote. Many of you have heard it before. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Boy, you won't hear a president say that today. Ask not what your country can do for you. Everybody's got their hand out. But ask what you can do for your country. Well, let me turn that around. Don't ask what the church can do for you. Don't ask what God can do for you. Ask what you can do for the church. Ask what you can do for God. Have that attitude because God's going to keep up his end of the bargain. God's going to pour out the south end of heaven and bless you and I far more than we deserve even if we do nothing, even if we're disobedient, even if we're unthankful. He's going to bless us greater than we deserve. That's, that's not the point. The point is what are we doing for him? Luke 12, 48, For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. There is an obligation. When you get plugged into the local church, God starts to work mightily in your life and it will occur to you that you cannot keep it to yourself. You will have to share the blessings of God, the goodness of God with other people through service. Paul mentions several times in his writings one of the motivations for his service, not all of them, this was just one of the motivations. But he said in Romans 1.14, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Paul lived with an awareness that he owed people something for what God had done to him, what God had done for him. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, Paul said in verse 16, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Verse 17, for if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. He says, if I do it with a willing heart, God will give me a reward. But even if I don't want to do it, I still need to do it because the gospel has been given unto me as a dispenser. 
I'm a gospel dispenser. It's like a soap dispenser. You put soap in and then you, you get it out. He said, God put the gospel in me. And even if I don't want to, I've got to get it out. I've got to give it out. Another place, he said, the love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ constrains me. It's a great day in your life when you serve him out of love rather than out of duty or obligation. Amen. But just throwing that out there, the obligation is still there. Right. The obligation motivates you when the love's not what it ought to be. There's going to be days when your love's not right, but the duty and the obligation, the responsibility still stands. Yes, sir. Just because you're not on your honeymoon don't mean you're still married. You're not still married. Amen. And it doesn't mean that you still shouldn't honor your, your marriage vows. Right. Amen. Amen. Oh, preacher, you just don't understand, man. It's just the honey's not there. It don't matter. You're still married. Right. <laughs> I'm just really not in love with Jesus. It don't matter. People still need to be served. But when you do it with a willing heart, you get a much greater reward. Where are we at? Number two, write this down. Getting plugged in will present an opportunity. An opportunity. When you get plugged in, God will begin to show you ways to minister. Ways to serve. In Paul's writings, he often named people that were outstanding ministers. One's, one stands out is the house of Stephanus. Stephanus. That would be 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Some of y'all need to find that in your Bible and underline it. 1 Corinthians 16, 15. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Ministry addicts. Ministry addicts. The whole house. They were eat up with it. You could tell by looking at them they were eat up with it. The word addicted here literally means to arrange and to assign a place, to appoint, to put in order. They literally made their life revolve around ministry to the saints. If you don't prioritize if you don't put it in your schedule your budget you won't do it an addict will find whatever it is they're addicted to we had brother bitter and his wife over for lunch this morning this afternoon and we were talking about uh, the, the challenges of dealing with the Baltimore rescue mission and many of the people that come through there I think he said 1800 Different people come through that rescue mission in a year. 75% of them have an addiction problem. Maybe more. I think that's national, 75%. I think statistically it's probably closer to 90 or 95% have an addiction problem. And even though they're not supposed to have it, they're not supposed to bring it in, an addict will find it. Now, I wouldn't even know right now where to go to get drugs. I wouldn't have a clue. Can you see me on the street corner? Can you see me on the street corner ask a stranger, hey, man, you got some drugs? They'd take off running. I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what to say. I wouldn't even know how to buy it. 
My luck, I'd walk up to some guy with dreads and say, dude, I'd like an eight ball. And he'd actually hand me a pool ball. I can see it happening right now. I don't even know what to do. I wouldn't even know where to go. But addicts know where to get it. And they can be homeless and broke and they can find the money to get it. You want to know why? They're addicted. What am I saying? You know what I'm saying. I'm saying when you get plugged into the ministry, you don't have to look for opportunities. You'll find them. You'll find them. Everywhere you look will be a ministry opportunity. I've never one time had to look for something to do. I've had to look for help a lot of times, but I've never had to look for something to do. I've never woke up in the morning and said, man, I want to serve God today, but I just don't even know where to start. Are you kidding me? Once you get plugged in the ministry, the ministry opportunities are overwhelming. Then you have to start to prioritize. <laughs> there are so many things that need to be done. There's so many people that you can invest in. There's so many directions that you can invest your time and talents that you will have to sit down and prioritize. Who's not, who am I not going to get the help today? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me. God opens doors to servants and people that are plugged into the ministry. Never one time have I had to ask or look for something to do. I never had to ask somebody else to find me something to do. Are you kidding me? I want to serve the Lord. Could you help me? I don't need your help finding something to do for God. I got a long list of stuff that I can't get to. Of course, it's been years of cultivating that. But I'm telling you right now, when you get plugged in, it will present an opportunity. God will show you. That Samaritan walking down the road. There's a guy laying right there. The priest had walked around him. The Levite had walked around him. The Samaritan says, well, I guess I need to stop and invest in this guy. And helped him up on his own beast and cleaned him up and, 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 and took him to the hotel and gave him some money and dropped him off. And man, there's a whole message in there. I guarantee you that Samaritan didn't wake up that morning and say, Lord, would you please open a door of opportunity? It just, God just did. From the time you wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, you can either opt to serve and minister or be served and be ministered to. They addicted themselves. They addicted themselves. The preacher didn't addict them. No money in the church put them on a guilt trip. Nobody sat down with Stephanus and his family and said, listen, I, you know, I've looked at y'all and you, you, know, you got some talents and skills and abilities and you, know, you guys really, you really need to think about and pray about addicting yourself to the ministry. That's not how that works at all. They just addicted themselves. And it started out, started out small. You know, like these addicts out here. You know, it starts out with cigarettes. When they're in high school, just over here behind the gym, over here behind the playground, smoke a cigarette. It starts out small, and then it moves to something bigger and heavier and bigger and heavier. And the next thing you know, they're strung out on about 15 different things. That's kind of how the ministry is. You just 
Stick your toe in the water, and man, that's, that's awesome. Praise Lord, that's a blessing. That felt good. I like that. Next thing you know, can I do some more? Is there something else I can do? Next thing you know, you're doing 10 or 15 things. There's so many opportunities at Calvary Baptist Church to get plugged in that you're going to have a hard time figuring out where to get plugged in. I just made a short list. We got the Calvary Baptist School. We got 125 students up here five days a week. Y'all come up here sometime and check out the school. See all these kids sitting in these classrooms learning in person. <laughs> in person. Desk, pencils, teacher. Woo, yeah, it's amazing. They'll try it sometime. Music ministry. Music ministry. We got three different choirs. Pick one. Kids choir, youth choir, adult choir. We'll start another one. We need to. Office duties, always something needs to be copied and stapled and run off and this and that. Bus ministry, they run buses all over Dundalk every Sunday morning. Grounds and maintenance. You wouldn't believe stuff needs to be done around here. You wouldn't believe it. You'd believe it if we didn't do it. You'd come in and half the lights didn't work. The commode was run all over the floor. You'd know it then. There's stuff, all I mean, you wouldn't believe stuff. Has to be done. Usher ministry, hospitality ministry, outreach, visitation, soul winning, publications ministry. We've been up to our eyeballs in publications ministry. We got people in our church that's been helping with proofreading. You say, I, I can't do much with the Lord, but I know all about publications. See me after the service, please. Please. I'm working on three books right now. I need some help. And if I can figure out how to do it, you can figure out how to do it. Bookstore ministry, uh, the nursery ministry, <clears throat> Sunday school classes, planning and coordinating events, and missions ministry, cleaning and decorating the church, all kind of stuff. And I love doing all of it, but I can't do all of it. I love it. I love it. I have to prioritize. That just can't get done this week. It keeps getting pushed to the back, back of the stove. I'd like to get some of this stuff done. What am I saying? I'm saying that once you get plugged in, you start to see. When you get, when you get in there, you start to see what needs to be done. I'm going to say that again. Once you get plugged into the ministry, you get overwhelmed when you see what all needs to be done. And as a servant's heart, you're just like, oh, I'm just going to step in here and do this. I'm going to fill this spot. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take that right there, and I'm going to run with it. And I'm telling you, the fulfillment is absolutely out of this world. Thirdly, write this down. Getting plugged in will produce an outcome. An outcome. See, we, we get tunnel vision sometimes and we think it's all about doing that job. No, doing that job is not the end of how it works. That's not the end of the process. Be not weary in well-doing because doing well is just a really good thing to do. That's not what it says. 
Be not weary in well-doing, for we know that in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's more to the story than just serving and ministering. There's more to it than just sweating and getting dirty and nasty and taking up time and using your talents. There's more to it. There's an outcome that is expected. And that is the part that you don't get to see till, you, till it happens. In ancient times, a king had a boulder placed on the roadway. Then he hid himself and watched to see if anybody would remove this huge rock that was in the middle of the road. Some of the king's wealthiest merchants and people came by and just simply walked around the rock. Many people stood there and blamed the king for not keeping the roads clear, but nobody did anything about getting that stone out of the road. A peasant came along carrying a load of vegetables and when he reached the boulder, he set the vegetables down on the ground and he began to push and strain and try to move that stone. Finally, after about an hour of hard work, he finally rolled that boulder out of the road. He went to pick up his vegetables and he noticed there was a purse under where the boulder had been containing many gold coins and a note from the king indicating that the gold was for the person who removed the boulder from the road. The peasant learned what many people never learn. Blisters produce blessings. <laughs> you don't know what's under the boulder till you move it. You don't know the results of your investment until you invest. We've got people that's got more faith and confidence in the stock market than they do God. We've got people that have no problem putting money in an investment fund and rolling that dice and see what happens. And yet we're so hesitant to invest in something that we know we cannot lose. And that is the ministry. Matthew 25, 21. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. What a blessing it is to see somebody that you've prayed for and talked with and counseled with and invested in, see them make a decision to do something great for God. In the back of your mind, you know God used you to contribute to that outcome. What a blessing. You see somebody walk the aisle. You see somebody get saved. You see somebody get baptized that you invited to church. That you brought to church. That joy, you can't put a price tag on that. See a family walk the aisle and join Calvary Baptist Church knowing you brought that family here. You told that family about this church. To see somebody come to church and know you put a track on their gate or their door. What a blessing. Do they always come? No. But you always win. You always win. There's always an outcome when you serve, when you labor, when you minister. I'm challenging you tonight, church. We have, and I'm saying this, I'm not trying to butter you up. My wife will agree to what I'm just to say. I've never been in a church that has more servants and more workers than this church right here. I brag on you everywhere I go. That's one of the reasons I love this church is because this church is doing stuff. Seven days a week. 
Seven days a week. Sun never sets on what God's doing here. But can I tell you something? There's room for more. There's room for more. Imagine if we all labor together, serve together. Imagine if we could divvy up all the responsibilities that we currently have, not to mention all the ones that God has not yet opened the door for us. Imagine. I'm waiting to see what doors God will open when we have enough people to walk through all the doors. Think about that. Say, man, this church is doing a lot. It's doing a lot with not even everybody on board. Imagine what it could do if everybody was serving. If everybody was saying, Lord, give me something to do. I want to get plugged in. Let's do it. I like it. The question to you tonight with heads bowed and eyes closed, are you plugged in to the ministries? Are you plugged in? Are you sitting back watching? Are you disconnected or are you plugged in? It's a very simple question. I'm telling you right now, if you ever get a dose of the outcome that God can pour out on your life, you'll be addicted to the ministry too. You'll be able to get enough of it. You'll live and breathe it. There's nothing in this world, no amount of work, no, no, nothing this world has to offer that comes close to the joy and the blessings that comes from ministry. Striving together, Paul said, for the faith of the gospel. Co-laborers together. Jesus said, come take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly. Won't you get in the yoke with Jesus tonight? Won't you serve with him a while? 